0: Welcome to Board Game Binge, the place where we bring you bite-sized, bingeable board game content across the industry. I'm your host, James Staley, and in this episode, we're chatting with Janis Garante, a game designer from Latvia and one of four people who, under the alias of Brian Gomez, designed Ice Cool and the Iron Forest. He's also a co-host in a board game channel called Board Game Hangover. Giannis, welcome to the binge. How you doing?
1: Glad to be here. Good. I'm doing good.
0: Oh, it is. It is great to have you here. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. Um, first of all, uh, this kind of pseudo name that you guys are going under—what what is that all
1: about? <laughs> yeah, a lot of people asked us, and only a couple of have figured. So, our company's name is Brain Games. Yeah, and we and. In our company, one guy kept saying, oh, you know, if it would be a person, it would be a Brian Gomez, like, you know, brain games, Brian Gomez. It's like a joke. And then (laughs) when we started making a first game, we're like, "Okay, we need to come up with an alias. I'm like, let's just use Brian Gomez because it sounds like brain games. So now do you ever have anybody like
0: reach out to you guys saying, hey, like I'm trying to reach like Brian can can Brian get back to me at all or.
1: Yes. Actually, uh, funny story. When uh, we were nominated for the Kinderspiel des Jahres, the award for the best children's game Germany, yeah. when we arrived, they were like, oh, we didn't know there were like four of you because, you know, there's just one name on the box. So they were kind of surprised that four guys arrived. So, oh, <laughs> so it's awesome. been quite a, quite a few times Then it's like, oh, it's more than one person. Okay.
0: So how did you get into gaming? Like you've been gaming a long time or...
1: I have uh, all kinds of gaming. Uh, Board gaming, like seriously, like I would call it seriously. I've been in this hobby for 15 years, I'd say, just as a gamer. I used to play when I was a kid, but then uh, after a while, I stopped playing altogether and it was just video games. And then I came back when I was like 19, 20, something like that. So Quite a while ago, uh, so fifteen. What brought 15, you
0: back six. in? So, fifteen years ago was probably Catan. I guess is that what brought yes. you in? Yes, yeah,
1: exactly. That was that was exactly. It was just localized here in Latvia, and I saw it on the shelf. and I was like, I heard about this game. Sure, I mean, give it a try, and then like it was like this breath of fresh air. Like board games are so fun. It was just yeah. oh wow. uh So yeah, that kind of sucked me into that world, and then from then on there was board game geek, and then there were so many games and. Here I am.
0: So, what I imagine you have a day job, right? It's like most people, when they're Dude. getting to this hobby, are doing something else, right? This isn't yep. necessarily a full time gig for everybody. Um, what's your day job? Like, what do you do kind of outside of board games?
1: I actually work in a board game publishing company, to be honest. <laughs> So, so my hobby is my work and other way around. So, well, it didn't start out that, but yeah, uh, I used started working once I found the board games. I was like, oh, they're opening a board game store in our city. Yeah. I need to work there. I mean, what's the best thing to do is selling games, things you like. So I started working there as a sales uh, salesman, and then as the time go went by, I uh, right now i am a game developer. Oh wow. Uh, Yeah, uh, so in the game, uh, in Boring Games games Publishing, so we uh, publish many games and uh, I'm responsible for their quality. So if you don't like any of them, it's my fault.
0: (laughs) So in in working in a company like this, I imagine you must have um, a lot of exposure to different types of games, different kind of mechanics. It really must, you know, really inform you, I guess, uh, when it comes to a game design or game development side kind of how to put a game together and, you know, what works and what doesn't and what types of things people might like and what people, things might, people might not like. Is, is that kind of what kind of then culminated into starting to get into designing your own games
1: or? Uh, yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, I think everyone who's into board games, no matter as a hobby or as a work or anything at some point have thought of creating their own game. Yeah no matter if it's like actually became a prototype or it's just an idea in your head that you're like you know, nobody has created games about this theme i should do one at some point and i bet like 99 percent of time it doesn't get farther than that because it takes a lot of effort and 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 uh uh discipline to go beyond that point but uh but yeah and um somehow it just happened that we wanted to make also our own games and iSchool was one of the first that we did like in-house design actually all four of brian gomez's all four of us uh we worked at that time uh for brain games uh, publishing so it was like an in-house design work uh, oh nice yeah so now is
0: that is that company you work for do they share in some of the interest of that game or is it more of a Hey, we're gonna do this thing. Kind of aside from from the company, and the company was like, "Okay, you guys go and do your own thing."
1: Yeah, it was uh, kind of. Uh, it happened during work, actually, uh, but then the development was also done outside of work. But yeah, we're working on a separate, unrelated project. And we're kind of, hey, this these pieces move interestingly, huh? What do we- I wonder if we can make a game around them and then step-by-step-by-step Ice Cool. Uh, But it all pretty much started with these wobbly pieces, and which we started flicking around. We were working on a separate project, but uh, that was like a lucky accident, I guess, I'd say. Well, at least the start.
0: Now, I'm trying to think of Ice Cool. So this is the one with the penguins where they're actually on the ice floats, Mm -hmm.
1: right? Yeah. yep. Yes, exactly that, that one. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's a children's flicking game where mm. it's very simple. Uh, the point of the game is just to go through doors because the board is made out of boxes. Yeah. And so you're actually playing inside the boxes and those are different rooms and you're just going through the doors to collect the fish and you get points for those. Very simple. And one player is the whole monitor. He's trying to catch the other guys. Uh, so yeah, it's, uh, we actually, when we started creating it, we thought it was a family game, but then it got all these children's awards. Guess what do we know? Right. Uh, turns out it's a children's game but uh, anyone can enjoy it even though it got all these children's awards still a family game
0: oh that's awesome and so when you're designing a game like that um you know clearly you're getting into molds and 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 Mm -hmm. like this goes beyond cardboard right at that at that point yeah when you're getting Mm -hmm. the tactile it almost kind of falls in the the realm of toys right in the the toy space
1: yes that's a very good description of that yeah
0: how how did you guys approach that because you hadn't had you been doing any kind of sourcing prior to that or any kind of no uh uh,
1: up to that point it was only cardboard yeah we had only done a cardboard and some wooden pieces so like uh, these and the wooden pieces were just generic ones you can buy at any factory yeah but so this was our first foray into that territory into that realm and It was an experience, yeah. Uh, So many 3D printed pieces that worked, didn't work. We had to switch up bigger, smaller, different colors and things like that. And it still continues. We'll switch to Iron Forest later, I know. But I had to mention that this, that uh, it just continues with Iron Forest. New challenges, new, yeah. So it's, uh, I don't think you really get that. You know, you can't say like, yes. We've done 3D figure games. Now we know everything and we're professionals. At least I think you can't. Uh, maybe bigger companies can say that. But for us, for us it's still like an, uh, we're learning as we go, sure. uh, trying to get the perfect piece. Yep.
0: And with the the other three individuals on your team, um, like are you guys all still working in the same company together? Or did everybody kind of go their separate ways? Or how did that? Uh, three
1: work? of us. Uh, well, three of us kind of work at the same company and why I'm saying kind of one of those three uh, works for a sister company more than he does for the uh, publishing. So there's like two sister companies here. Mm -hmm. One is a local like distribution localization company, and then the other one's a publisher. And so one of the three guys works uh, more for the distribution. And uh, another one doesn't work for the company, but we're still in touch and we still discuss design and get together and and work. Obviously it's a bit more, takes more planning to do that now yeah but still doable still still keep in touch yeah uh, how, uh, how do you guys yeah.
0: divide the workload like when there's four people like i entered like four, um, like a large team right so my people might say well four that's not a large team but i mean in the gaming industry it actually is it's a it's a, it's a yes. quite large team right so how do you guys divide up who's doing what is there one person that's kind of the leader of the team or like how do you guys how do you guys function
1: that's uh, actually now that you were asking this question I thought all the times we argued about something I think if we get that time together we could have built another game in that time <laughs> but uh, but yeah usually how that works is uh, we'll try to we put our set out goals when we start doing something mm-hmm. and that hopefully everyone agrees what the, if those are the goals that we need to and maybe somebody will say you know what this is more important than that mm-hmm. and then we'll try to achieve those goals and while doing that issues might come up that any of us could like say, you know what? I have a problem with this. I don't think this is good. And then he might get shut down by the other people and then he might not. So it's it's a, it's a little bit of arguing, but a good natured arguing. You When throwing around things or, or, or yeah, you know yeah. shouting obscenities, no, none of that. It's a good natured arguing, but that would happen from time to time. Uh, but yeah, if you feel like something's nah, not right, you would put it forward and then you would discuss it. Do you take it either... to a
0: vote. What do you do if, if two people yes. have two very opposite ideas?
1: Yes, we would take it to a vote. Yeah, uh, that's that's what we do. Usually, it it resolves. Sometimes it's two versus two. Then it's debate. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, it is trickier. Obviously, working with more authors involved than if, for example, if you're designing game alone. Mm-hmm. Then all you have to do just either you listen to playtesters or you don't. That's your choice. Like, yes, I like this idea. No, you're talking silly. This is fantastic. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. But here you have the authors that are also kind of playtesters of your ideas. Because somebody will come to a session and say, you know what? I thought of this fantastic idea. Let's use boxes for a board in high school or Iron Forest. And then somebody like me will say that's ridiculous. That's silly. Nobody will like that. And then turns out I was wrong. So you never know. Right.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's cool. My, uh, my design partner, Adam, my brother, he and I will sometimes, um, often actually debate when we're creating a game. Right. And it's healthy, you know, cause it, you know, yeah. there's so many times where he'll bring something up and we'll be like, I don't know about that. What about this? And and I'll be like, you know what, you're right. Or the opposite. You know, he'll say, Hey, we should, you know, be cool. That's always his famous one You'll know, be cool. And you'll say something. I'm like, yeah, but again, we got to actually make that. Right. So that might not be easy to make. Right. When you get into like, you're at a price that you can actually sell at. Right. So, you know, when you're of course, yeah. producing in, the, in China, you got to make sure you have the lowest possible cost because by the time you get through your, your duties, your taxes, your transportation costs, you know, five bucks in China could be like $50 by the time you're hitting the shelf. Right. So yep, yep. Uh, you gotta be mindful of that. And there's a lot of cool things you would love to do. Uh, that just might not be practical to do from a, uh, from a cost standpoint.
1: Yeah. Yeah, mm. that is a that is a good thing you brought this up because that sometimes also resolves any arguments that might come up. Like, I want to do this. Okay, it sounds weird, but let's try. Oh, it costs that. Okay, it's out. Uh, <laughs> but but like but like you said with your brother, it is a relationship, right? And you have yeah. to talk in your relationships. Otherwise, somebody's like, no, nobody's listening to my idea, and uh, you just have to put it out there and then yeah. try to, yeah, good, him
0: yeah. yeah, communication is king. That's for sure. So when yep. I look at like when you say something like, um, you know, Ice Cool was not necessarily intended to be a kids game. It was intended to be a family game. And then I see a, another tactile game like Iron Forced. Is that your answer to those criticisms when you guys did Ice yes. Cool? Was it? Were you guys that's saying, very, okay, you know what? Yes. We're still going to make a family game. We're still going to make a game for everyone, you know?
1: Yes, and, and, that's you know. a very good catch. Yeah, uh, When that happened, we felt like a lot of, we didn't reach as many people as we could have. First of all, they see this cute little penguin on the box and they go like, nah, it looks like a kid's game. And then they look at the awards, yep, it's a kid's game. Not interested, moving on. And we're like, ah man, it it is for for everybody. I've played more with grownups than I've played with kids. Uh, So it's for everybody. So, okay, we're creating a game that is going to be for the whole family and you can't mix it up with the children's game. You know, mm. no way you can mix these things up. So that was the goal of creating iSchool. And some people have said it's like a gamer's iSchool. And I think that's a perfect description of that. Yeah. It's still a family game. It's not like a super heavy game, but it is a bit more complex than for example, iSchool is. So I'd say like a good entry level for Iron Forest is like eight, nine year olds. Mm-hmm. And for high school, you can start as low as four and five, so there Got is it. quite quite a difference, yeah. But if if your kids have played high school, they can definitely get into Iron Forest much earlier than uh, other kids who haven't, yeah. But yeah, that was that was the design goal. It's a good catch; not a lot of people <laughs> will catch that. Yeah, that which was answer to that. Yeah.
0: And then Iron Forest, I'm gonna I'm gonna show the screen here in a second so people can see it, but it. You know, what caught my eye was I saw Mech, right? I love Mech, so I'm like, ooh, oh, what's yeah. that, mm-hmm. right? And and and, you, and I started seeing these, like, kind of the, the mini pieces. And then I see there's a comic, right, where it's talking about the story behind it and so forth. Where did the the narrative part of this come from?
1: Um, it was also a group effort because uh, we, we kind of threw in things that we enjoy. So like you said, Mechs, man, I love Mechs. And uh, at least two other... Designers did. I'm not sure about the fourth one, but I yeah. think most did. And there's also anthropomorphic animals because we like those as well. So we yeah. put that in there. And then we have a flying city. And so we kind of took all these things that we like and we try to put it into some. Not all of them made sense since we had to throw something out, but we just kind of, okay, let's do animals. Let's do mechs. Let's do uh, like flying city. Uh, let's do like a uh, weird world where all that happens and power ups and gadgets and things like that. And we just, put it all in into the into one game and uh hopefully it does make sense as much as it can but yeah we also worked with the same artist who did i school and i think he's fantastic good yeah. fit for 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 this project so yeah so we're very happy uh, very happy with what uh came of it of the world that we created all together
0: i just noticed the one yellow mech is that actually a rabbit mech
1: Yeah, it is. It is. It is a rabbit mech. Yeah, it is a rabbit mech. There are like four animal clans and uh, there's rabbits, there's hedgehogs. You can see it in the background, the blue one, like with the big spikes there and Mm -hmm. big wheels. Uh, Hedgehog, rabbit, wolf and owl. Those were the four animals we picked for our... uh, animal clans mechs. And then the, on the other side, uh, there are the robot mechs that are like uh, these big giant fighting machines that mm-hmm. are controlled by an AI. they kind of the bad guys, but one of my uh, one of the co-designers of Brian Gomez is really dislikes the term bad guy. Mm-hmm. So we'll just say the other side, but when in fact, we all know I'm talking about the bad guys.
0: So talk to us about like, there's like catapults, there's like yep. uh, multi, and I'm showing the screen here, multi-tiered uh, box. Yep. So I guess the two box pieces maybe come apart and then stack. Is that how that works with the clear? Yeah. yeah parts? So basically yeah. we
1: have on, on the, so there's two levels and the lower level is just like ice cool, just with different artwork, mm. pretty much. So the same exact layout, but uh, we added like on four, like risers, legs, the second level. Cause uh when we set out designing this we thought okay we need a new wow level because when you saw high school you're like oh this looks like a real school and you flick pieces around you play inside the boxes that's mm-hmm. a wow so we needed you know to up that kind of pun intended take it to the next level <laughs> and uh yeah and so that's what we did here we added the second level and then we needed something to uh naturally get up there like that fits into the you know flicking mechanisms dexterity game so we got the catapult and this catapult was a long way until we got to this one that works uh, really well Uh, yeah so that kind of came from one to another like okay we have this let's put a second level we have the second level how do you get up there oh we need something to get up there we have a catapult and so on and so forth so it kind of went from that from that and then we're like how do you get down oh i guess we need holes in the boxes so you can fall through those holes and get back down and that kind of went it's been a long road to be honest longer than maybe we would have liked how
0: many years how many years has it developed
1: i think at the idea level we started uh thinking about this right after iSchool came out which was 2017. Wow okay so quite a while back but then we were also working on iSchool 2 like a separate base game but also an expansion to iSchool mm-hmm. one and some of the ideas that didn't make into that game made it into this game like for example upper level the second floor that that kind of made it into this game yeah so like serious work has been done for two years I think but like on the idea level and coming back to it, thinking, throwing in ideas, it's been like four or five years. In. So it's been a long road. Yeah.
0: So for listeners who didn't just see what I showed, and I got people in the lobby here on Instagram live uh, as well as on YouTube, they're saying uh, Alex Young, for instance, says these ideas are awesome. Um, people seem okay. really excited by the creative. So for the the very essence of this game is you have a little piece, a little player, right? That's yep. almost like I think when i was a kid there he spills clowns right the way the clowns where you punch it and then it kind of the inflate yeah, yeah. Up and we come back i think
1: up. there is a name for those yeah but wobbly wibbly wobblies something, yeah, like, something that. like that right but so mm-hmm. and
0: then so you have that and then you're flicking and is the a goal to get into certain get into yeah. certain holes and you're trying to re- like make your navigate the board or are you trying and take people out or kind of how does that work
1: all of those things so the game uh comes with multiple scenarios and yeah. each scenario is like a mini game so mm-hmm. for example in one scenario you have to go through certain holes they have them marked down and you just have to go through them it's either doors or holes in the floor and then once you go you just take your marker off you're done with that in s- different scenarios you have to take the other team out you have to damage their mechas and you know uh, and, and knock them out and then in another scenario you have to carry stuff you have to go to one place take it and pick it up and deliver it to another place so there's like many scenarios I think with all the stretch goals we unlock there's going to be nine different scenarios and Almost all of them have uh, asymmetrical goals, so mm-hmm. you're not doing the same thing on both teams. Each are doing their own. It's just kind of like a race game to do your own first. Uh, but you can also, you know, stall the other player by taking their mechas out and and things like that. Yeah. But yeah, essentially, it's a flicking game. You just have your piece, you flick it, and the nature of it is uh, that it acts differently from other pieces because it's so wobbly. You can actually curve it, so you can make it. Go uh, in cool. a certain like angle if you want to, or you can even jump it if you flick just the very top of it. It kind of jumps over the the walls, and and it's it's really neat to 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 see that happen or do it yourself. Uh, and it is something you get very good at. The more you play, the more you play, better you get at it.
0: And what do the power-up cards do? So explain how those kind of integrate into the game.
1: Yeah. So another goal that we when we set out playing was like, okay, so. Not everyone's good at flicking, and especially when you start out playing, you're like, oh, I hit the wall, didn't get out of this box. Okay, I did it again. Come on, this is all right. And then you do it third time. I've so many times in fairs, I've seen people's enjoyment just fall with every time they do it. They're like die inside a little bit every time they hit the wall <laughs> yeah. and our goal was like okay we need to mitigate that we need to kind of take that equation out so that people don't feel and so that's what the power-ups do they let you like put yourself in any place you want in the box like take another shot for example mm. or or place you in a name ring because they kind of bend the rules so if you're really bad with flicking uh but you're gonna get better the more you play so don't worry about that but uh, when you start out you can use power-ups to just you know kind of help yourself in these like situations. A ticket, like a
0: mulligan, I guess they call it, right? Golf. Yeah, in a way. In a
1: way. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. So uh so there's uh there's that. That's and what, what happens
0: like when you go outside the board? So I got this little launcher, and I launched my guy, and he goes just flying. Like, can it go flying across the room, or how far does the launcher? Yeah, yeah, act
1: of course, uh, it, it, not that far, but it can happen that you fall down. Yeah. So what 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 does it do? You just get your mech damaged, and it's just placed back uh, on in its depot. Got so it. each mech on the board has their own depot, and it just gets damaged and put back. So you don't really want to do that. But yeah. if you want like a quick way back to your Depot. You can do that. That's like a, yeah. Oh, so you can actually just
0: take it, just say, okay, I'm just going to launch my guy off the board and then I'll get me back to my Depot faster, but I'll take the, yep. uh, I'll take the yep. damage. How do you track the exactly. damage?
1: So each of the mechas has their own ID cards. And just one side shows its uh, healthy side and the other shows its damaged side. So okay. first time you get damaged, you just turn it to its damaged side. But the next time you get damaged, uh, you are knocked out. So you just removed from the board. And until next time it activates, uh, when the next time it activates, you're going to place it back on the depot. But the opponent gets a power-up card. So that's the only way you get new power-up cards. You start with some. But to get new, you have to take... Take out the other players' mechas, nice. so that's why you want to go after them. Yeah, first of all, you're gonna stall them. Second of all, you're gonna get a power-up card. So that that's what happens. Yeah, I,
0: I can't see this in your local currency. my currency, looks like you guys hit about one hundred and almost one hundred sixty-three thousand dollars. So congratulations on that. That's amazing. Um, Thank
1: you.
0: What was that? What was your goal on that uh, that campaign? Like, what was your base goal?
1: Uh, base goal was sixty-five thousand dollars. Yeah. Uh, so we, we exceeded that. We didn't unlock all the stretch goals that we wanted to. Yeah. But uh, I guess every Kickstarter campaign is where someone will say, you know, you know, it could have been more, but I don't think anyone's ever like, yeah, we got enough, you know. But, I don't know uh, so anybody did... said they
0: got enough. If you the... always want more. <laughs>
1: exactly. Right? Exactly. So we didn't unlock three stretch goals, but we're working on a solution to try to make it possible for people to get them uh, post-campaign as well in the pledge manager. Oh, so no cool. worries there. But yeah, so other than that, we unlocked many stretch goals. We felt that the campaign was doing good, especially for such a game that is not quite common. Not a lot of dexterity games that you see on Kickstarter, right? Yeah. Uh, so we think that we did pretty good. Uh, obviously, iSchool helped. Knowing iSchool, uh, a lot of people knowing I school were brought to that campaign by that. That was like our one recognizable thing that we used as our flag, like, you know, Ice Cool. Okay, come check this out. This is like that, just next level.
0: And did you carry forward like a fairly large mail list that you got with Ice Cool? Or is that how you kind of brought that audience forward? Or how did you continue? Yes, to leverage-
1: as well. That we did some fairs before that, obviously, like Essen just in October uh, last year. Uh, We did that and uh, because we've been showing this off and on uh, fairs for those two years that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, the iSchool mailing list, uh, we were doing some ads before the launch and during the launch. So obviously our mailing list right now is way bigger than when we started. Sure. So fingers crossed for the next campaign being bigger than this one. But uh, who knows when that's going to be.
0: Did you use any social media uh, amplification companies at all? Or did you do it all yourself? We did.
1: No, no, we did. We used Backerkit. Okay. And we used a company called Very Creative Name. Uh, Very Creative Name. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. That's a cool name for a company. So they did our ads and they did our ads on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Google, YouTube. So we had ads uh, throughout different platforms, yeah. which obviously helped a lot. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. The interesting thing, a lot of times people don't realize, like, uh, backer kits, great. Uh, I mean, they've, they've done a lot for a lot of campaigns. Um, the one challenge with that is that they don't start until your campaign starts. Right.
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, so often you have to supplement that with, you know, obviously, you know, pre-campaign marketing, right. So, you know, either mm-hmm. you do that yourself or you find another agency to help with that. So, uh, it's cool to see how you guys kind of put this together. Were, were you guys surprised at uh, where you landed at all? Or,
1: uh, yeah, we're actually pretty happy and surprised. with you know, when we were going in, we uh, were really scared of like the comments section because we've heard a lot of yeah, yeah. bad things about the comments sections. I, oh, yeah. I, I've, I've backed many projects, but I never comment. I usually, I'm like, if I feel like it's a good product, I back it, and then I don't think about it until it's shipped basically and then yeah. I get it and then I actually play it but to be to be honest all the people were really nice I mean yeah. I think we didn't get any negative comment well if you can call it a negative some people were like saying that the price was too high and we, we agree it was not a low price for a game so it's not really a negative comment it's just an observation so oh yeah. all no all, I was super surprised how positive was the response and how valid were the comments and everything was just... Uh, and I was responsible for answering those comments. That's why I'm like, I was prepared for, okay, here we go here. Yeah. Let's <laughs> bring, bring it. But no, people were really nice. That was actually, I think my biggest surprise throughout the uh, whole campaign, how, how nice people are actually. On Kickstarter. Yeah. It's
0: a very so, welcoming community. I mean, you'll always have people. And I agree. I rarely. I think when you come across somebody who's nasty on a Kickstarter page demanding, mm-hmm. I would say is pretty common, right? So I've, yeah, had a few mm-hmm. campaigns now and, you know, people always want more. And I mean, as a consumer, yep. you should always want more, right? You always want the best per you get out of any investment you're doing. So there's nothing wrong with that. It's just finding the, the, the challenges is balancing what, you know, one person wants versus what's you know the best f- for all. Right. And, and, and without mm-hmm. upsetting that person too. Right. So that sometimes becomes the, uh, the dance and uh, you know, yep. the balance. But,
1: exactly. Yeah. Um,
0: so we're, I mean, obviously, I've heard you say you've got Ice Cool 2 coming. Um, is, did X- it's it- already out. It's already out.
1: It's already Ice out. 2 okay, is, cool. Yeah, yeah, it's already out. Yeah.
0: Is it just Dexterity games? Or are you guys going to do other types no, of no, games? No, no, uh,
1: no. We do all types of games. Uh, we, you know, uh, take. Uh, uh, ideas from authors and then we sign games and we've done well i don't actually know how many we've done but uh we've done all kinds of games party games children's games i guess we've never went into the heavy game territory mm-hmm. it's always either children's or family games yeah it doesn't get heavier than that it's not like we are like necessarily not doing that we look at heavier games but somehow we found ourselves publishing and liking more the lighter games and mm-hmm. and things like that so so we do all kinds of games yeah card games and and uh, uh, bigger names that maybe you have heard of is like team three for mm-hmm. example we've done uh with the authors from the states and um yeah game of trains a card game like ice Schools, like i already mentioned iron forest now and some games are on the way as well that are not going through Kickstarter platform that are we're just doing uh, with our own funds, uh, looking oh, nice. for partners. Yeah, Yeah, because we have a lot of partners uh, mm. throughout the world, especially uh, Europe that we work with. And then uh, we do a lot of publishing through uh, co-publishing with them together, co-production, sorry. So it's interesting.
0: Yeah. So you have a... Um... You know, this is, I think is your, is it your second Kickstarter campaign? This one here? It just is our you guys first. First it one that just first. you guys have done, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so your model is kind of a, a mix of, uh, you know, creating games for other publishers as well as now doing some exclusive stuff for yourself. Mm-hmm. Is there another campaign that you're going to be working on anytime soon? That Like you just did here, where it's just going to be your self-published game?
1: Yeah. Uh, not anytime soon, but definitely because <laughs> no, yeah. right now we're going to get our heads into the iron forest. We it's gotta, you know, yeah. finish finish everything up. Send the files to the printers so we can deliver to the people that uh, believed in this project and and gave us their money. So we uh, have That's responsibility awesome. towards them. Yeah. And uh one thing I like to mention: if somebody's hearing for Iron Forest and checks the campaign out and sees that it's uh, over, don't worry. In a week or two, we're gonna have late pledges. Just, just a shameless oh, promotion here. Yeah.
0: yeah <laughs> please plug uh, away. And then where where uh, yeah. will they go for that? Through the Kickstarter page the, or using
1: page and then we'll advertise on social media as well but through the kickstarter page they'll be able to get there yeah that will be up in a few weeks but yeah so we'll finish everything we have to do with iron forest and then after that we are thinking of doing another kickstarter Uh, we'll look at it how we pick which ones we do on kickstarter and which ones we don't is mostly how it could do or would do on retail for example Mm -hmm. iron forest is going to be is already an expensive game through kickstarter but if it would go into retail it would be very expensive and we thought yeah. this is the only way we're getting this our like dream game, or dream fleeting game out to the people is through Kickstarter. We didn't yeah. see any other viable option for this game so that's how we picked this one and like I said we do a lot of different games that are like children's games and family games and sometimes if those are cheaper then obviously we can do uh, it ourselves and, and find a partner for these games yeah. so that's, that's how how we pick and choose what we go for. Yeah.
0: If someone wants to follow your content channel, where do they find you?
1: uh well brain games publishing anything i can
0: uh oh, is even your channel don't you have, You have your your own oh um... you meant oh yeah.
1: my channel oh okay, of course just bring yeah, plug your channel <laughs> yeah, <man>. it's it's <laughs> yeah so on my free time when i'm not working on board games when i'm playing board games or talking about games i do co-host the channel called board game hangover and that's uh we review board games there and uh we we you know do kinds of tops and whatever board game channels will do but we try to do it with a twist so yeah. do check it out yeah and uh, my co-host he's doing most of the editing and by most I mean all editing and he's amazing he's he's it's he's actually a profession he, that's yeah. what he what's his j- day job is just video editing and wow I must uh, say uh, he's he's really good what well, well, what else would I say right but yeah uh, of course I mean, I mean it yeah
0: <laughs> and they're going to find that on is it on YouTube or where they YouTube find yeah YouTube. it's YouTube awesome. yeah so it's a, board a youtube game channel a
1: board game hangover mm-hmm.
0: yeah awesome well yas thank you so much for your time i do appreciate it uh and uh man congratulations on this campaign this game looks super cool congrats thank on you. that uh, i'm so happy for you guys it caught my eye as soon as i saw it right away i was like wow this looks awesome anytime you can kind of get like tactile i think it's just an awesome awesome time put the phones down and start picking up pieces and start throwing them around yep. i think it's awesome so i want to wish you all the best in 2022 You take care. Thank
1: you. Thanks so much.
0: Cheers. Cheers. This has been an episode of the Board Game Binge podcast, hosted by James Staley, produced by James Staley and Mike Bruner, with original music by Nick Smith. If you would like to watch these interviews live, simply subscribe to our YouTube channel, Board Game Binge, and you'll get access to live interviews, giveaways, and interesting board game content from across the industry. I can't wait for you to join us. See you next time.